today on CityCast Madison. It's our weekly roundup of local news. Madison had an important visitor this week. The Madison School District will be under new management next school year. And is the city council pro-violence? All that and we strike up the music, the band has begun, and mourn the baraboo and polka left undone. Why do we scare away all the film crews? It's Friday, February 10th. I'm Dylan Brogan, and this is CityCast Madison, the podcast that gets local. It's Friday, and the whole CityCast Madison team is here. I'm joined by Bianca Martin and Molly Stentz, and we're here to talk about all the fun news stories and all the interesting news stories this week. Hello, Bianca. Howdy, Dylan. How you doing, Molly? Hey, Dylan. Well, somebody came to town this week. I don't know exactly who, but maybe, Bianca, you want to kick us off by talking about it? I do, and you're right. President Biden came to Madison on... Who? (laughs) Yeah, President B came to Madison this Wednesday, or rather landed in Madison at Truex and then went on to a speaking event at a work training center in DeForest at the Laborers International Union of North America. And his talk echoed some of the major points he made in the State of the Union address the night before, you know, like touting his administration wins and job creation, really emphasizing American-made manufacturing and investing in good-paying union jobs. Uh, Yeah, it was very much like the union, State of the Union speech. Yes. Emphasis on union. One of the major standouts, for sure, was Biden name-dropping Senator Ron Johnson, uh, specifically as one of the Republicans who've threatened changes to Social Security. So that's a thing. And should say that referencing Senator Johnson's proposed plan to have Congress approve funding for Social Security and Medicare every year, which could make it a yearly political tango and subject to cuts. Well, that was the big rowdiness at the State of the Union. There was like some back and forth. I mean, it was almost like the House of Commons or something, the way there was... They were yelling at each other. And, you know, unlike in the past, remember, like Obama, someone interrupted him, uh, some Republican congressman, and it was like, ah, it's so a breach of decorum. Well, Joe was, President Biden was just throwing it right back at them. But this Social Security and Medicare thing is interesting because Republicans swear they're not going to touch it yet. You know, our own senator is wants it on the table. It was riotous. It absolutely was British as all get out. Fewer wigs. Fewer wigs. There were a few, probably. Yeah, you'd think the wigs would temper moods, but I would. That's not true. I think that's <laughs> only in the House of Lords now. I don't know anything about the UK anymore. I th- is that wig still a thing? They don't. Boris Johnson never wore a wig. Would we? Know? What are we counting? <laughs> you know, it's funny when you get notice about a presidential visit. You always kind of wonder why, right? Like, what's the real reason they're coming? Because they never give you that much information, right? They have to send the advance team, and for security reasons, they always keep everything hush-hush until the day of, day before. And I was thinking, oh, maybe he's stumping for Supreme Court candidates, right? Maybe he's going to some fundraiser or something. But then... I don't know about that. Really? But then when I heard the State of the Union address and that kind of masterful politicking of drawing out all of the members of Congress to state their opposition to making any changes to Social Security, and then to come to Madison 
where, you know, our Wisconsin senator, Senator Ron Johnson, one of the senators who's been talking about that, like, it seemed masterful. I was like, did he plan that? But he, he yeah. couldn't have known, did he? Maybe he did. Who knows? <laughs> and we also have to recognize, obviously, Wisconsin is a crucial state for people who might be rerunning or running again for president like Biden. Wisconsin is probably going to be another really crucial state not too long from now. Kind of needed Wisconsin last time around and and Dane County really delivered. Um, But hey, other presidential candidates have been here. Do you guys, my favorite, uh, it was such a gaffe, but John Kerry, this is a while ago, John Kerry came and did this huge rally on West Washington, right? Yeah, by word. And so his opening line was something like, oh, by the way, before I go, I'm going to head over to Main Street Brats, when of course he meant State Street Brats. So. Waka, waka, waka. Oh, maybe. Was that what cost him the election? I think it was. <laughs> I would have given that to him. State Street is kind of like a main street. Well, Molly and I went to Lucinda Williams' concert, and she right away called us Michigan, and I forgave her. <laughs> but she's not running for president. It's even worse. Oh, You're man. generous. <laughs> Remember when the boss played downtown? That was the same rally. No, that was for Obama. That was for Obama. They're no, like buddies. They John have a podcast. Kerry came too. Yes, they're oh. buds. But that when you guys can all look it up and prove me wrong. We need a fact check. Bruce Springsteen was at that rally, and so was the guy, and so was David Grohl from Foo Fighters, and he played an acoustic set. I love Dave. We're Grohl. talking about two different things. Both no, we're not. Could be true. <laughs> it's the same thing. We'll put in the show notes who's right, and it's going to say Dylan was right. By the way, you'll know it once you listen. Well, hey, the president stops by, uh, man, and didn't it kind of seem like she couldn't have planned it, but a little bit of a campaign coup for Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway? She was all over the place with selfies, and she was with the governor, and they're talking about, Joe Biden mentioned the electric buses we're getting from the federal government. It was a good selfie, too. I was like, that's that's solid. Like, y'all seem like buds. Well, you were talking about hard jobs, and man, it made me think about our school district. Well, before we dive into schools, I think Bianca's already making plans for the weekend. The superintendent, uh, Carlton, or Dr. Carlton Jenkins, is leaving after three years, and whew, this is, I'm afraid, perhaps not great news for the school district for a lot of reasons. Jenkins, uh, you kind of—it's really hard to judge his tenure because of just the unprecedented last few years that he's had to deal with that no superintendent has. Um, But um, I think him leaving is kind of the cherry on top of what's been happening in the school district for three years now, and that's massive staff shortages. And now they've lost their leader and the school board is going to spend nine months probably trying to hire another one. And Why is it bad? It doesn't have to be bad. The superintendent does play a big role in just the leadership of the district, and they're going to have an interim who's going to be kind of a placeholder for a little bit and just keep the trains running. But, you know, the school district and every school district really is is in this difficult period post-pandemic. And now, like, I think a lot of parents and the community is, is worried about the direction that the school district is is moving in. And now it's kind of like everything's on hold for a year. But I do think there were signs that, especially this semester, that he might have been leaving. Like, this wasn't totally a surprise. 
as Man. someone who's covered some of this. Uh, who, but whose yeah. idea was it? Well, I think it's his idea, but the school board had been criticized for not pushing back against the district enough in recent years. Well, in the last, the, last, the fall school semester, the school board pushed back twice. There was first um, when... Jenkins and his administration and and certainly some teachers wanted to move away from standalone honors classes and that got rebuffed. Even a bigger slam against Jenkins and his administration was that the school board reversed a decision to fire the, the principal of Sherman Middle School. We haven't seen the school board push back on the superintendent in a while and that happened twice in, in the last six months. The school district has been shelling staff like uh, at every level, from the classroom teachers to subs. Their sub pool is half what it used to be pre-pandemic. There's these key administration, administrative positions like their legal department and their HR department that have had uh, vacancies, and that's caused all sorts of trouble and chaos. So you're really selling this here. You're doing the ad campaign for the new leader. Oh, right? I don't want this job. It's a hard job. This is the hardest job in the city, I'd say. Really? Yeah, because it's so important. People's politics get very interesting when it comes to schools because it's like their kid. There's a lot of systemic issues that need to be addressed. And and despite making changes, the racial disparities and in academic performance and suspensions and graduate, they're all appalling and everybody knows we need to do something. And there's just these stubborn disparities that haven't gone away. Yeah. And it, it doesn't help that the pandemic, there is this tossing back and forth. I'm going to say a football. Look at me making sports references for the sports out there. <laughs> but basically, you know, going back and forth between remote learning coming to school, like these sorts of debates that were extremely fraught because the academic achievement gap, you know, it's already was an issue before we were facing this pandemic. The consensus is that virtual learning just for the vast, vast, doesn't work. Right. And if it does, like you need a full-time parent doing it with the kid, especially when they're younger. So parents, that was a freaking nightmare. And that happened under Jenkins, too. Last January, they were supposed to come back from winter break. They literally did not have enough teachers to do it. They had to go virtual for a week just to catch up. One of the things that stand out to me is like that kids need more than anything is stability. And guess who needs stability? Uh, In addition to kids, adults. There's just a lot on the school district and school system right now. And I I have sympathy across the board. Maybe I'm a cynic, but anytime I hear an announcement that somebody wants to spend more time with their family, it sounds so trite. I don't believe it. Like I just inherently, instinctually don't believe it. Am Am I a bad person? I think it can be both trite. Like it's so common that people say that. And then also, True. I know that I that's something that I've done some stories on is just like a disconnect for grandparents to their grandkids. I'll I'll give them this one. I will never be convinced. Just it just is this is just my memo to every politician right <laughs> now. What was he supposed to say? Like this job's too hard? I'm out. <laughs> I'm a big quitter. I don't expect them to be honest. I'm just saying I never believe. So the thing that I learned from this conversation is that, Dylan, you think that the school district is the most important institution in this city. And that's interesting to me because you covered City Hall for so long. And I feel like there is so much happening at the city level, just day to day, week to week, that we don't talk about enough. Like I saw this week, they voted down money for violence prevention. And that caught my attention because I thought, are we pro-violence now? 
I mean, did people not hear my New Year's resolution for no more murder, no more homicide? I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. Is it not a good thing that we look deeply into how the city spends its money? Violence prevention, what does that even mean? So I feel like this stems from the conversation we've been having in the city for years and years and years, which is how do we improve Madison? How do we improve the lives of our citizens? And how do we make the community safer? And so some people would say, we need beat cops, right? Then there's people that are like, actually, we need detectives. Then there are people that are like, actually, we need prevention, right? So we're not just having issues and trying to clean it up on the back end, but let's invest on the front end so we're not generating the crimes. Seems kind of like a good idea to well, me. Well, you asked me why I care about why I care about the school district. Isn't that the greatest prevention there is? A quality education. That's what I was saying. Which we're failing at. But you're reducing it down to uh, they voted against uh, they voted for violence, and I don't know if it's. <laughs> you don't think that was it? They didn't need a two thirds vote to like override <laughs> violence. No, I mean, what if this position is just BS? that they voted down. <laughs> I definitely was thinking about that. Yeah, so the interesting thing, right, is that the council apparently allocated money to give themselves a raise, right, to give uh, to increase elder salaries a little bit. So apparently they allocated it in the budget. This is what I understand. It, but then they didn't actually enact it. They, like, kind of set aside the money, but then they didn't actually pull the trigger on implementing it. And so I saw departments like Department of Civil Rights, and then I saw alders who were like, hey, we could really use this money. So how about we reallocate it from this, this part of the budget to this part of the budget? This proposal came from Sabrina Madison, among others. It was like $90,000. I mean, it's a lot of money to us, but it, in the scale of a city budget, it's a drop in the bucket. So yeah. I'd love to dig into it more. I thought it was interesting because, you know, today the police chief is having this big state of crime, a state of public safety address. And, you know, we had all this whole spate of gun violence last summer and last year and a lot of focus on trying to figure out how to reduce homicides. It seems like, okay, maybe this is a small step, but why not take it? That's all. Speaking of doing things over and over and over again, I learned, <laughs> I saw this on NBC 15, I couldn't even believe it, like that they sent location scouts for the movie Groundhog Day to Baraboo, and it was like, this is the great, but, uh, and then, you know, uh, Remus, the director, was like, actually, we're going to do it in Illinois, though. But can you even imagine how awesome it would have been if that movie was in Baraboo? You're from there, Bianca, wouldn't that have been like, I think your whole life could have been different. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, honestly, Baraboo would have been perfect for that. It's got it's got tons of history. Obviously, it's a circus town. I could definitely, definitely see it. I will say it's not the first movie that was going to be <laughs> done in Baraboo and disappeared. I forget the, the movie's name at the moment, but I remember in high school, Johnny Depp was like, apparently some scouts came to Baraboo and they were going to do like a bank robbery movie there. Do you guys remember Public that? Enemy, Public Enemy, and they did okay. shoot that. They did shoot that in Wisconsin, but evidently Baraboo got missed out. And I know why, because I was a high school girl. What? <laughs> word got out. Someone slipped the word that Johnny Depp that that was possibly going to happen, and all the I remember all the girls like went to try and go find Johnny Depp, and they're like, "Well, you guys spilled the beans." I know who spilled the beans. I won't spill the beans. Who spilled <gasps> the beans? 
What did you, you do in 1993 to, to get them to change their mind about Groundhog's Day and filming there? Baraboo was denied. It could have been the film capital of the state. It ought to be. I was going to say, it's a very bamboozling place. <laughs> yeah. Film Baraboo. It's a very bamboozly place. <laughs> yes. That's going to be in the trade magazine. <laughs> oh, snap. Hey, well, we're running out of time here. Bianca, I think, is there anything I forgot to mention that we should go over before we wrap this week up and put a pretty bow on it? Well, yeah, so there's a story. Apparently, Groundhog's Day was considered for filming in 1993, the comedy in Baraboo, Wisconsin. <laughs> I just wanted you to experience that again. Like, oh, my God, didn't we just do this? <laughs> You 100% got me. I got you, babe. Do, 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 do. Like, oh, she's lost it. She's lost it. Yes, she has. Before we go. I'm dying. Before we go, gotta mention our Valentine's Day episode. If you're a regular listener, you've likely heard me talking about this all week. Uh, We're really excited because we have some great stories for you next Tuesday. And... Just throwing it out one more time. If you want to send us a shout out to your sweetie or a loved one, could be your grandma, could be your you know dog walker, could be a, a misconnection, anything. Leave us a voicemail by the end of the day today, Friday. That number is 608-318-3367. Give us a call. We'd love to hear more stories and we are going to wax poetic and you want to be a part of it trust. And you know what else I'm looking forward to next week? We have two Supreme Court candidates joining the pod. So you will not want to miss those interviews. We've got the primary coming up and you know, it's only the most important election in the country this year, according to the New York Times. No biggie. Well, that's great. Hey, look at us. And before we go, have you heard that Baraboo was going to (laughs) be... Might have been a location of the film Groundhog's Day starring Bill Murray. I got you. You're kidding me. Nah, I love that movie. I think we're getting good at this. Molly, Bianca, I hope you guys have a great weekend. Everyone should have a great weekend. I think we should call it there. Called. Bye. That was CityCast Madison's Bianca Martin and Molly Stentz. Before we go, can you help us be named Madison's Best Podcast? Madison Magazine is accepting nominations for its Best Things in Madison contest. You can vote for CityCast Madison for Best Podcast. And while you're there, please vote for our partners, Madison Minutes, in the Best News website category. We'll throw the link in the show notes. And that's all for today here on CityCast Madison. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell someone who loves weather-predicting rodents about us? This podcast is hosted by Bianca Martin and produced by Molly Stentz and me, Dylan Brogan. Music is by Carl Christensen. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Remember to keep it real.
We did not hit record. Oh. So trial run. Fun. <laughs> you got to do it all again.